This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mercy Talk. I'm your host today, Dr. Brooke Keels, and I'm the Senior Director of Counseling and Program Strategy here at Mercy Multiplied. Um, And I am joined today by one of my favorite people. Um, Her name is Kim Brown, and she is the Director of Counseling in our Nashville home. Um, If you've not heard the other episode, I did uh, not give her a way out. She (laughs) had to agree to do this with me. Uh, And I'm just really excited that she did. Kim and I get to spend a lot of time together just um, talking and uh, specifically, not just because we enjoy talking to each other, but specifically about work, specifically about supporting the residents uh, in our Nashville location. And so um, we know each other pretty well at this point. (laughs) We've we've spent a lot of time together. That's Uh, right. (laughs) And so Kim is a master's level uh, clinician. She is about to wrap up her licensure and will be a licensed mental health service provider in the state of Tennessee pretty soon. Uh, We're going to celebrate that. She is currently uh, what we call baby licensure, which means she's working on her 12,000 hours. No, it's like 3,000. I don't know. (laughs) Lots of hours that you have to get to be uh, fully licensed in the state of Tennessee. So just so you know, she's doing all the things (laughs) that she has to do. Um, And we are just so grateful for her. And today what we get to talk about is steps to finding a good counselor. And you would think, Kim, that we would not need an entire podcast. Um, I think I actually even wrote a magazine article about this. Um, uh, and we've been asked from Empower. I think every Empower I get asked mm-hmm. this question. You would think we wouldn't need to do that, but do you know why we do? It's why is that? Most counselors are terrible. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> because of that, <laughs> we had to do this podcast. And I really appreciate you doing it with me because I tend to be more, um, how do we say, critical. And you are very honest, um, but typically more hopeful, I would say, (laughs) than I am. We balance each other out. Um, And (laughs) so, uh, you know, so this will be a good balance. Um, I hope. We'll see, right? I think Uh, so. Okay. So I'm going to dive into it. And I think that the number one thing that I tell everybody is if you are comfortable sharing that you are interested in going to counseling, then tell people and ask them for their recommendations. Because I will tell you, if someone has found a good counselor, they tell everyone. <laughs> they tell That's everybody. Right. All of a sudden, it's like, well, you know what my counselor <laughs> told me? Do you know what, you know? And so you typically, if you have a good counselor, that's not something you kind of hide away from the world. Um, and I know it tends to be a, a private thing, but I think once you're really making headway on something you've been in bondage to or really struggled with, you're pretty excited to let people know that you found a good counselor, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, so so that's st- that's number one. So you do have to be willing to share. If not, my very favorite is, hey, I have a friend that is looking for counseling. Do you have any recommendations? I think that's always good. Um, when people call me and ask me that, I always in the back of my mind say, uh, yes, I do. Is your friend named whatever their name is? 
And so, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, that's an easy way to do it. And here's the thing. You may be building a referral list. They don't know. They don't know what's happening in your life. So um, you can always just say, I have a friend who needs recommendations. And, and people will tell you. They'll also tell you if they've had bad experiences, who to not go to. And I think that's maybe just as important sometimes. Uh, anything to add to that? I don't think so. I think you covered it really well. <laughs> I would agree with you completely. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, The other thing I would say is, uh, and this is kind of a new-ish thing, uh, is that honestly, if, you know, let's say you don't have any recommendations or you do, and I I typically, if I send a referral list, it's only going to be about three people because I think if you send more than that, it tends to get pretty overwhelming. Um, And what I tell people is I'm going to send you these three people. If you call them, talk to them, you know, they typically will offer a free phone consultation, um, kind of ask them, frankly, how do they believe change occurs? And if, if they can't answer that question, then that is not the person for you. If they can, it'll really let you know if, if kind of your belief system aligns with theirs or if what they say makes really, you know, you maybe you've never thought of it before, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, and with the answer to that question will tell you a lot basically. Right. Um, and if they can, if they can tell you, you know, how do you believe change occurs? Um, you know, obviously you're, you know, you're wanting to partner with them in this, um, but you need support. And so what is, what does that look like? What does the role look like? Um, and if you feel connected to them, I think that's a good first step in trying them out and also asking them, what is their scope of practice? If you need a counselor that sees your whole family, you need to ask them, is that something that you do? Because if they don't, then you don't want to have one counselor here and five counselors over here, you know, doing these separate things, ideally. And I'll say that some people disagree with that. That's my personal opinion. Um, But, you know, or let them, you know, tell you, I don't do that. But this other, my colleague in my office does see family. So what we typically do is I'll see, you know, you and then we can include them in the family process. So, you know, see what they have had as an experience Um, If you have specific issues, maybe you're dealing with addiction or domestic violence issues or, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, ask them, is that something that they typically work with? You know, your gender, your age group, Um, you can ask all these questions. I mean, you're kind of interviewing them and that's okay. And if they get offended by that, probably not the counselor for you. Um, And then, of course, from a spiritual standpoint, I think asking them what role they believe you know, faith plays into the counseling room. Um, If they're comfortable with that, if they don't advertise themselves as a Christian counselor, you know, asking them what that looks like doesn't mean they're not a Christian, but, um, and then if they do advertise themselves as a Christian counselor, I would always ask too, what does that actually mean? (laughs) You know, how do you actually incorporate that? Because as Kim and I know, a lot of people don't really know how to incorporate really their faith into the clinical space. So I don't know, would you agree with that? Anything else there? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think just, you know, having that that conversation just helps you gain an understanding of, of them and just are they, do you do you feel safe already talking to them? Do you have that connection? Do you feel like they're they're hearing you even on that initial phone call? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And, you know, just in case you're wondering, Kim, I have been thinking about this a lot for many years. <laughs> so this is this has been, but yeah, I mean, that if you feel good there, if that feels comfortable, that's a really great first mm-hmm. step. 
Um, you know, the other piece is obviously going to be financial. I mean, you need to, to know what you can and cannot afford and what that looks like. Um, and I think be honest about it, be honest about, you know, the investment, but also know that if it seems a little steep, it may actually be worth it. Um, I, I've, I have never had anyone find a great counselor and just really dig through some things and find, and, and have change in their life. They never talk to me about how much it costs. That's just not, you know, it ends up not being a factor, but sometimes it is, it is a limiting one. And so I think it's important to, to consider that piece of it, of what the financial, you know, part will be. Don't let that keep it, keep you from going, but know that, you know, if somebody is, is way outside of your range, I would be honest with them. You sound amazing. I think it'd be a great fit, but this is what I can afford and see what they do. Um, Or maybe they're just not the right fit for you. Uh, and another piece of this too is Kim and I were talking earlier is what is the waiting list? Sometimes if you have a counselor that has a really long waiting list, you know, maybe they're really good at what they do. Maybe they're not, but either way, if they can't work with you anytime soon, um, it may not be worth it unless they become so highly recommended and you have talked to them and you feel really great about it and you go, this is who I want to see. And it is worth the wait, you know, in, in that case, I think that's important. But um, I talked to a family the other day that their their child really needed to see someone uh, weekly, if not twice a week. And the agency just could not see them more than every other week. Well, then that's not a clinical fit. You know, if, if, right. you can't, if, if they can't meet your needs, then it doesn't matter how good they are for the one hour you see them. That's right. Right. So, um, so I think that's an important factor too, that we don't, especially now, um, kind of since COVID happened, you know, a lot of people are going to counseling. Someone was telling me in California, they can't even get in with a counselor for, for months. Um, which is just, I mean, I'm glad people are seeking help, but that's also just, wow. I I hate that so much when you're like, okay, I'm ready. I finally decided. (laughs) Right, and then they're like, "Great, we'll see you in six months." <laughs> I hope you're still, <laughs> hope you're still sad by then, um, you know, which is just a terrible thing. I don't. Know, in that note, anything else to add? It doesn't even have to be specifically on that, but I know we were talking about once you finally get there too. I know. Mm-hmm. So let's just assume you pick the person, you get in, you, the money's good, everything makes sense. Yeah, and then I always recommend too that you go at least three sessions. So I want to keep that in mind that you give them at least three sessions before you decide you don't want to go to counseling anymore. But while you're in those sessions, Kim, what do you think? Absolutely. I think you just need to observe, like, are you connecting? Do you feel like you can share your heart? Do you feel that you can, what, what they're, that they're hearing you, that they're validating what you're feeling, that they're, they're meeting you where you're at, that they're joining you well, and um, that you that they're challenging you um, because initially it may take a little bit before they start challenging because they want to build that rapport with you, but they should at some point be challenging you, calling you higher and really pushing you to, to grow because that's what you're there for is to grow and to change. And sometimes a lot of times we need someone to push us and, and challenge us in order to, to, for that to occur. Um, something just in my own personality that I just want to share is that it is okay to tell a counselor it is not working out Um, and you don't have to concern yourself with hurting their feelings or that sort of thing. If they are a 
a healthy counselor, they're going to understand that and they are going to give you freedom to leave and wish you the best um, on your journey to healing. So um, do not be afraid if it is not working out, if you do not feel that is the right fit for, for, for you to end that relationship and find someone that is because you're, you're going to waste your time and your money and your resources um, if you're not with the right person. Yeah, that's really good. I, I actually thought of that, but um, I've had, uh, you know, I know, believe it or not, some people don't want to see me as a counselor. Um, <laughs> so, um, but especially in my early days, you know, but I had um, parents specifically or different ones that were just like, you know, I really, at the end of the day, I really like working with you, but I really want to work with someone who has, is, you know, a parent of teenagers. They felt like that would help them out, you know? And so mm-hmm. I would, I mean, which is just so helpful or, you know, I, I would like to work with someone, you know, my spouse was just diagnosed with this specific disorder and I would really like to, ha- you know, have someone that really focuses on grief or whatever the thing is. I think that's, that's such a win. If you can identify, like, mm-hmm. I really, you know, I, I see where we're going here, but what I've identified is I really need support in this other area. And is that something that we can do? And if you can't, can you provide, you know, can you refer me to someone who can? And there's, you know, I mean, I'm sure that maybe the counselor's like, man, I hate that I couldn't, you know, meet all your needs. I'm not saying that. Um, hopefully they don't, that they're like, great, you identified it. Let me help connect you with something else. Like at the end of the day, our job is to support you and equip you in whatever you need um, to move into and be, you know, to function in the season that you're in. And so, yeah, or sometimes you just break up with your counselor. You go, this Mm -hmm. just really isn't a fit. um, And I'd like some referrals or you go, sometimes this isn't a fit and I don't want to hear from you ever again. And that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. You know, this isn't, it isn't, it isn't a friendship. Like it's really not like they they're there to do a job and support you. And, and, and it can feel a little strange because you maybe been vulnerable with this person and, and we're not, you know, typically vulnerable with people we're not in a, you know, platonic friendship with. So it feels a little off, but, but also your counselor should provide a space that you're really comfortable saying, you know, this isn't, this isn't really a fit. Um, and if they don't, they have their feelings hurt. You don't have to care. I hate to say it, but you don't. So, you know, um, I know Kim's like, I would care a little bit if I hurt their feelings. <laughs> I would, I mean, I would care, but also the whole point is that you are getting the help that you need from the person that you need to get it from. And that has to be the driving force and not the concern of someone's feelings are going to be hurt because you, healing is for you, you know, so go after it. That's right. That's so good, Kim. See, you said that so much better than I did. Thank you for being on here. Mercy Multiplied exists to provide opportunities for all to experience God's unconditional love, forgiveness, and life-transforming power. Our residential program is for women ages 13 to 32, and our outpatient services are for women ages 13 and older. Both programs are voluntary, biblically-based, and completely free of charge. Our goal is to help women in our programs permanently stop destructive cycles, discover purposes for their lives, and experience God's unconditional love, forgiveness, and life-transforming power. If you or someone you know would like to apply to one of our programs or you'd simply like to find out more information, you can start by heading to our website at mercymultiplied.com.
And I think probably the, the only, like the last thing to wrap us up to is some people may be listening and they're like, I've been in counseling for years with the same counselor. Mm -hmm. And I think my only slight challenge to that, I'm not saying that you need a different counselor, but I may be saying that you need a different counselor um, because like just tying it back to challenging, I've probably had clients frustrated with me more than they've been thrilled with me. <laughs> But that they always come back and go, okay, that was really good. That there was a continuous place of building trust. And I'm not saying they're angry with me. That happens and I don't, that's fine. You know, but but really that, you know, when you mentioned challenging, there there has to be a space where there is progress. And if you look back and you go, I feel like I'm just showing up, talking about kind of the same things or talking about what happened during the week, but but I'm not leaving feeling more equipped or feeling as if things are really shifting, make sure you're having those conversations too. Because there are times as a counselor that, you know, we're working on things that aren't quite as overt as, as you know, other times when it's a pretty clear, like, hey, like, I think this is a situation. I want you to try these things, kind of more overt interventions. And so making sure that you're sharing that, the other piece is that your counselor should be at least once a month saying, where are we at with our goals? Do you feel like you're achieving them? Have we had some objectives? You know, in the counseling world, we call this a treatment plan and it can be executed a lot of different ways, right? But there has to be some measurable shift that is happening in your life that you and your counselor are working on together and so, you know, honestly, holding yourself accountable to that and holding them accountable to that, too. Um, and I, I love people when they come in, um, you know, either with no therapy experience, that's fine, too. But when someone comes in like this, you know, like I expect you to do your job. Like, I love that because that means that we are about to partner together and we are about to get some things done. Right. Mm -hmm. They are ready. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that makes really excited. And I know, you know, you serving, especially the residents in our home, when they come in and go, okay, this is what I want. <laughs> You're like, great, let's go after it, you know, together. Um, that's pretty exciting. I think sometimes they, you know, people think that maybe we, that we want to tell them what they should want, <laughs> you know, versus like, no, well, what do you want? Let me help you get there you know, and, and kind of define what that is. I don't know. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think the dream for any counselor is that you have a counselee that is ready to do the work and who is excited and knows what, that they have goals and wants to pursue them because that just, um, yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. And to have someone meet you there and is just ready to, ready to do it. Like, I think that just, um, yeah, that's just really rewarding mm -hmm. to get to partner with them in that way. That's right. And the other side of that is sometimes people just know, I just need help. I have no idea. And mm -hmm. that's okay that's too, right. because that's really fun too. We get to explore, okay, what is, what does God have for you right now in the season? Let's dig in, let's set some goals and, mm -hmm. and support someone from that place. And I love that looking back and be like, do you remember when you, you know, mm -hmm. walked in my office and you're like, I don't know, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just here. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and the shift that has happened, like, it's just so exciting to, yeah. to see that too. So whatever, wherever you're at on that spectrum, yeah. just know that your counselor, the really great one that you find is very excited to partner with you in that way. Um, and I think last thing, we didn't really mention this, but um, 
I know this is wasn't something we've talked about before, uh, but whether or not you would want to see like a man or a woman counselor, I can tell you in my experience, I don't really care either way if unless, you know, just be good at what you do. I don't know, but I guess depending on what you would be going to see them for. Um, but would you, Kim, I guess if, you know, if you really wanted to see a female counselor, but everybody was like, no, but this guy's really great, would that keep you from doing that? Or would you, I don't know, where are you kind of at on that? Right. No, it wouldn't keep me from doing that. I think, I think, you know, it could offer a different perspective, maybe, you know, that might be really helpful. And if, if, yeah, and if they are great at their job, that's awesome. Um, I think in times past, I've seen where um, counselees have been reluctant, maybe if they are victims of sexual abuse or that sort of thing, sure. maybe to see a male counselor just because um, it'd be ch- more challenging to open up and really be vulnerable in that in that way. So I can see depending on the circumstances why why you may like that may be you know a factor, and that's great if it's a, you know that's fine that it's a factor if it is. Um, yeah. yeah, that's really good. And I think, yeah, just considering that, whichever you're most comfortable with, mm-hmm. I think is good. At the same time, if everybody is saying, hey, this person's really great, you know, mm-hmm. that it's, mm-hmm. you know, you want to see a male and it's a female or you want to see a female and it's a male. I think I would, I wouldn't maybe rule them out just yet, unless you know for sure. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know, sure. and that's, a, that's totally fine. It just narrow, narrows down the playing field for you, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and anyway. maybe having that initial phone call where you, where you do talk to them and just yep. see, you know, take it that one step further instead of just saying, no, maybe, you know, checking into it a little bit further. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And, and that initial phone call would uh, go pretty far. Right. So mm-hmm. I, in, in, at least in my opinion, I think that tells you a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and so, you know, once you've kind of, I, we, we didn't really do this in steps, but I think talking about it, you've decided you're going to find a counselor, right? You're going to talk to your friends and community and ask for recommendations. And then you're going to really define your parameters. And I think the fourth step is really managing your expectations of of what this can look like, knowing that you're partnering with them and they need to partner with you and being willing to adjust if you need to. And that doesn't mean counseling doesn't work. It doesn't mean that you're too broken, Um, It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that, you know, you may have to shift who you're seeing and go see somebody else. And I know that's uncomfortable, but it 100% will be worth it. At the same time, I think that's why we really encourage you to put the work in on the front end. So if at all possible, you don't have to do that, um, that you don't have to, to shift, you know, kind of halfway through, if you will. Um, or maybe even early on, right? Ideally that, that you're able to put the work in on the front end, go and see somebody and that, that you guys can, can get after it without there having to be a switch. Cause that is tough. We know it's tough. It's worth it if you have to, but, but it's, that's a difficult transition. Anything else to add there, Kim? I don't think so. I think we've covered okay. it all. Great. I think we have covered everything you ever need to know. Finding a counselor. No, all joking aside, we really hope that this is helpful for you. We are just honestly grateful that we get to share this information. Um, even as counselors, we know how daunting of a task it can be to find a good one. I tell people this all the time that I am a counselor and I meet counselors all the time and there are still so few that I would actually recommend. And so I keep a referral list. If anybody tells me somebody's good, I look into them. I will schedule phone calls with them. Um, and, you know, and so if you are in 
the Nashville area. If you want to email me, I will send you <laughs> who I recommend. Or if you want to email me and tell me who's really great, I think we'll take that too. We are constantly working on our referral list at Mercy, but also just my personal one when I personally get asked. And I know Kim, you do the same because if you're at church and somebody's like, who's a good counselor? Sometimes you got to go, well, <laughs> you know, That's right. uh, you know, tell me a little bit about what's going on. Let me see what I can uh, come up with. So mm-hmm. thank you everyone for joining another episode of Mercy Talk. We will see you next time. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find previous episodes there. Mercy Multiplied is a nonprofit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.